good morning everyone. You're tuned to Community Radio 3CR. Time is just after 7.30 and of course it's time for the 3CR Gardening Show. My name's Pam Vardy. First up, I can't believe it, we can actually welcome back to, into the studio Virginia Haywood, <laughs> who's been missing. <laughs> it seems like, I think I was gone eight and a half weeks, which is a long time. It did seem like a very long time. And I seemed to, it was very hot in London. Right. And it seemed to have been very cold here. <laughs> it has been a cold winter. Yeah. It's been a proper winter. Yes, that's why I kept saying to people, oh, it looks like the winter of my childhood. Yes, exactly. I, I remember winter as a really cold. Mm. And yet when I came back to look after Dad, I remember for, for years we would spend winter sitting on the front veranda, in, which faced north, and we'd just sit there in the sun. It was beautiful. It took me a couple of years to realise this was because there was a drought. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> and my dams are not full. No, it's been dry. Mm. It's been cold and dry. Mm. Yes. And everyone except me seems to have really badly burnt gardens from the frost. Mm. I know. You're so lucky being on the top of a hill. It just rolls down. Yep. Yeah. My heliotropes have been hit and nothing else. Mm. But I've even seen things in the botanic gardens that have been hit. Not badly, but no. you, know, you can see the burn. Yeah. I've certainly been hit, but I I'm bet. at the bottom of a yes. hill. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so it all rolls down onto me. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, well. How have you fed, Craig Wilson? Yeah, good, thanks, Pam. No frost in a linder. Okay. Well, just a sprinkle, but, you know, nothing damaged. Is it because you've got so many trees? No, it's because we're right on the ridge. Mm. Yeah, Yeah, so I think it's been quite a good winter. Yep. Oh, you're lucky. You're really lucky. I love the garden at this time of the year. Yes. Yeah, it's such a beautiful time. Everything's sort of delicate and looks fragile, but not necessarily the case. Yeah. Good stuff. And we also have to say a very good morning to Graham Sargent from Silky's Rose Farm. Hi, Graham. Good morning, Pam. Good morning, everybody else. They're in bed. I'll bet you they're still in bed probably, out there in, probably. in listening land. Now, you've had more than your fair share of frost, haven't you? Yeah, we've had um, over 80 frost yes. this year. Wow. Yeah, we've got agapanthers that are just gasping at the at the front gate <laughs> and they're all burnt, all, all burnt back. But they, they'll, they'll survive. Oh, of course they will. And, they're as tough as... And the roses, roses uh, survive through it as well. Mm. And the, the amazing thing is the clematis are just really tough. We've had clematis just growing on the ground and they just, they'll just still uh, survive. The, I think they like frost. it. I think yeah. they like I mean, because yeah. there are things that actually like to get really yeah. cold, and I think yeah. clematis is one of them. Go cold off, How yeah. many frosts would you have in a more ordinary year? Uh, probably we might have four. Oh, really? really? Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. 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 yeah, it's really been a big impact. We got down to minus eight. That's cold. Yeah. I've just been come back from up in the Riverina up at Young and, and around okay. Wagga. And, um, have you got rose growers up there? Oh, yeah. They can grow roses like you couldn't believe up right. in the Riverina. Yep. Oh, fantastic. Okay. And um, I, I've got a, a good friend up there who who's a psych, was a psychologist at the Young Hospital. And we sit down and we, we, we swap yarns, you know. Okay. Health, old health inspectors and psychologists. And <laughs> he used to do a lot of crisis management and right. uh, work with people that were, you know, uh, in, in, a, in a bad way. And... Um, uh, he was the intercessor between the police and, and, and the and the patient. Right. And uh, he just celebrated 50 years in, in, in that profession, which is something else. Goodness. And um, he's a fantastic poultry breeder. Right. He'd probably be one of the best in Australia. Okay. Yeah. And um, he says, oh, yeah, I use the poultry as my therapy. I go out in the chook, chook pen and get away from it all. And his wife was actually a mental health nurse as well. So, um, yeah, they're really interesting people. I went up there with my younger son, Ben. 
Okay. Yeah, and uh, of course in Young, um, they grow fantastic cherries. It's a really great growing area. Mm. Yeah, you know, very similar in a lot of ways to um, perhaps the Dandenongs and you know the Yarra Valley because yeah. cherries are one soil. of ours. Mm. Yeah, really good soil and and great variety of all sorts of different crops all through that area and. They do a, an enormous amount of promotion, and um, in in Young itself, and um, the, um, the the council itself is really with it in terms of promoting, um, you know, natural things that grow in the area, right. which is really good. Yep. Yeah, excellent. And um, there's a fantastic um, place there that's doing state of the art um, uh, uh, big uh, compost processing, uh, and they're, they're using they're, they're processing humus. Um, going way beyond compost, and of course, humus is the thing that we need to hold the moisture in the soil. Mm. Mm. And Wagga is a place to visit. Fantastic okay. place, right? Yeah, it's, it's some fantastic gardens there. Because, hey, mate, the Riverina's got fantastic soil. Yes, mm. really good soil. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Excellent. Okay, mm-hmm. so you've come back all inspired. Oh yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Excellent. All right. Um, I'm going to go straight to some community announcements. Um, People might have uh, heard along the grapevine that uh, Bendigo is uh, hosting the Writers' Festival at the moment. And uh, if anyone is heading up to Bendigo today or if you're living in Bendigo, um, our good friend AB and Angus Stewart are actually speaking today at the Writers' Festival, talking about uh, their book that was released last year, The Australian Native Garden, Now, uh, they're going to be part of the Good Life Sunday. Now, this is at Ullambara Theatre, which is at 10 Jail Road. Uh, Now, you can go for the whole day, 10 a.m. through to 5 p.m., with a cost of $50. That includes six talks. Um, uh, AB and uh, Stuart will be speaking 1.30 through till 2.30. Otherwise, you can also get a general Sunday pass that gives access... Uh, to 25 sessions from the whole festival across all five venues, and that's at a cost of 55. So, um, so if anyone's up in the Bendigo Way and you want to go and have a listen to AB and uh, Angus Stewart, they'll be speaking 1:30 till 2:30, as I said, in the Ullambara Theatre, 10 Jail Road, there in Bendigo. Now. Uh, also, coming up this afternoon, um, and we do have Chloe actually doing the phones this morning, um, I'm presuming that uh, you can still get into this afternoon talk this afternoon, um, but it's a talk being held uh, uh, in conjunction with the Friends of uh, Cranbourne Botanic Gardens, and uh, it's a talk this afternoon on fascination of orchid pollination with Mitch Smith. Now, it starts at 2 o'clock, runs till 330 it's being held in the Australian Garden Auditorium, as I mentioned, down at Cranbourne Botanic Gardens. That's on the corner of Bellato Road and Botanic Drive there in Cranbourne. And it's all about plants needing pollinators. Now, he's entitled the talk Sex, Lies and Seduction, just to uh, really get you in. Sounds inviting, Pam. <laughs> <laughs> Now, Mitch, uh, Mitch is an amazing person. He has no formal training, but he's a self-professed ecologist environmentalist and he's been doing some groundbreaking work uh, on Victoria's orchid pollinators. 
um, which is believed to be the most comprehensive work to date, with pollinators described for approximately 150 species of orchids. So it uh, um, should be an absolutely fascinating uh, talk. Now, the cost, members of the Friends Group, $20, non-members, $25, students, $10. Um, if you do want further information this morning, the number is 8774-2483 or you could phone us here at 3CR while Chloe's on the phones at 94190155. And, of course, this is all being held in uh, uh, as part of the uh, Native Seduction Art Exhibition, which is running through the whole of the month of August this is a botanical art exhibition at Cranbourne Botanic Gardens. So you can have a look at the exhibition as well as going to the talk this afternoon and should be a great day out. Now, uh, last week Stephen was mentioning how um, Tonkin's bulbs um, up at uh, Calorama have now got um, an open nursery. Now, this is specialising in rare bulbs and perennials. It opens Friday through to Sunday from 10 till 3, uh, the, uh, it's, it, uh, its first official opening was the 11th of August, so it's very brand new. Um, now, uh, last week Stephen didn't have their official address. Uh, so the address is 375 Alinda Creek Road in Calorama. That's 375 Alinda Creek Road in Calorama. Melway's reference there is 120C12. But um, the owners, Jane and Shirley Tonkin, do um, warn people that it is in the middle of a national park. So it's a little tricky to find. Um, so if you're going to head up there, please take a note of their phone number in case you get lost on the way. I'll give out two numbers. Um, their number is 9728. 1295, that's 97281295, or mobile is 0417 that's 0417 but as I say, the official address is 375 Alinda Creek Road in Calorama, and that's open today, of course, 10 through till 3. Uh, Virginia, Plants Trust has got have got an outing coming up. Oh, we next do. Next Saturday. We do too. Oh, my God, I'd forgotten all about it. Okay. I so go into the office tomorrow. Right. So I must engage the brain. Okay. So it's a trip firstly to Melton Botanic Gardens, then on to the Willows, um, and finally to Pie Gardens. So um, a wonderful day out. Should be fascinating. Now, uh, numbers are limited. Bookings are essential, and uh, if you would like to book, the office phone number is nine six five zero five six three nine. That's nine six five zero five six three nine. Or you can contact Don. His uh, mobile is zero four three nine zero three four one nine four. Or you can email planttrust at linet.net. .au. So Plant Trust, no, all that's, one word. that's IINet. Oh, at IINet, sorry. No. Plant Trust at <coughs> IINet, yep, you're right, um, .net.au. Now, the cost uh, for members of Plant Trust or members of the Botanic Gardens is $30. For non-members, $35. 
All food and drinks are included and uh, final details will be given on booking. There's also going to be some raffle prizes. Now, uh, you do have to RSVP by next Wednesday. So um, if you're really wanting to go to that one, you need to get your, your skates on and RSVP by next Wednesday. And I no doubt will be expected to cook something for that, so I really must get my head around it. <laughs> You'd better. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and finally, the last one I have. Um, coming up uh, 19th of August and running right through to the 29th, surely 10 days. Can that be right? Um, what is it? Uh, <laughs> yes, good question. Uh, as far as I can see, it's really only running for two days, so I think that... that uh, that uh, dates might be wrong. So let's presume it's the 19th, and I will have to double-check that. But Camellia's Victoria and the Waverley Garden Club are running their Camellia and Garden Show for 2017. Now, the venue is the Mount Waverley Community Centre, which is 47 Miller Crescent in Mount Waverley. Times on the Saturday, 1 till 5. On the Sunday, 10 till 4.30. Cost is $5 adults. Children are free. Uh, it's an iconic camellia and garden show. It's the largest camellia show in Victoria and is a highlight of the Victorian winter horticultural calendar. Now, um, camellia is hailed as queen of the winter flowers, so there's going to be hundreds of varieties of camellias. You can receive expert advice on growing them and purchase plants for the home garden. And the show features the Victoria Camellia Championships as well as floral art, uh, winter and general garden ex- exhibits championships. So uh, if you'd like more information on that, I would particularly uh, double-check that it is the 19th till the 20th. Um, contact Linda. Her number is 0412-914-388. That's 0412-914-388. Okay, well, it's uh, high time we invited our listeners to join us this morning so that you've got plenty of time for gardening questions. That number is 94190155, 94190155. This morning in the studio we have Virginia Haywood, guide at uh, Royal Botanic Gardens Melbourne, Craig Wilson from Gentiana Nursery and Graham Sargent from Silky's Rose Farm up in Clombenane. So uh, we can talk anything. So do give us a call, 94190155. Virginia, first up, let's uh, hear a little bit about any gardens you might have seen on your travels. Well, needless to say, I went and saw lots. I saw gardens on the Isle of Wight. I saw gardens up in Yorkshire. I even got to the stage where I was getting a bit sick of the standard English garden. Okay. Looking for, you know, the perennial borders to have something a bit different instead of just delphiniums and da da But one thing that I found very interesting, I went to the Hampton Court Garden Show, which is the second biggest in the country after Chelsea. Right. And I also went to the um, RHS Garden in Yorkshire, Harlow Carr, both of these being gardens that are a little bit sort of specialist. Well, I mean, the garden show, obviously, everybody has... Uh, their garden shows are just extraordinary. Mm. You know, they ju- it is just... I, I couldn't get the camera out of my hand. But display after display had isotoma growing, isotoma axillaris, and it's a, it's a native. I don't know if it's got an uh, ordinary name. It 
And I grew it this year for the first time. And one time Sue's boss came around. No, Sue told him I was growing it. That's right. And he said, tell Virginia not to propagate that. It's got it, the sap's really poisonous. It's a, it's a native plant to Shinhai. It has beautiful pale blue star-like flowers. And I bought half a dozen in a punnet in, in Wandon Nursery. Okay. Having no idea what it was, but I thought, oh, I'll try this because I didn't know what it was. You know, if, if you're a bit obsessed with plants, you do things like that. You don't plan your garden, so it's really logical. You just think, oh, that's interesting. That can go in. And it, it's beautiful. And they've actually wintered really well. Okay. There's still a little bit of flower on them. But everywhere they had them, they were growing them. Now, obviously, they're going to be... As an annual or as a perennial? Well, who knows? I mean... I was so shocked to see them because, you, you know, they're, they're so proud when they grow an agapanthus. They think mm. that's just so exciting. <laughs> and I sort of say, oh, we, we, we think that's a weed, yeah, actually. <laughs> but to see this isotoma everywhere, so I, I think we should take note of it. It's one of those classics, one of our plants, native plants. I think they're from Western Australia. I don't know. They're in the, they're in the Campanula family. Yep. And I'm not sure where they're from. And... They they are very, very pretty, but it's sort of classic that I, I don't know anyone except me that grows it, and I only grow, grew it because I saw it at Wandon, although um, Ian at Sue's Nursery said that they have grown it before. Okay. But, so they're growing it in Britain, and they're putting it in all this really posh displays, and we don't even seem to acknowledge yeah. it. It's a classic Australian problem. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we don't recognise our own plants well yes. enough. Good heavens. Yeah. Okay. It, it was beautiful. And they had it at Harlow Carr too, right. which is the RHS garden, the Royal Horticultural Society garden. It's huge and beautiful, mm. absolutely beautiful. And, of course, these gardens, I, I come back and, I mean, I have just done three days of solid work in my garden where I'm so exhausted I can't be bothered cooking dinner. And, of course, all these a garden like Harlow Carr, it puts itself to bed at the end of November, beginning of December and doesn't do anything. Yeah, for months because you know it's in Yorkshire. Yorkshire um, Leeds, even though it's for months, how many months? Oh, three. Three months. Yeah, okay. they go to bed. Yeah. They go to bed, and okay. it just makes a difference. Yes, you know, because my garden, the weeds are doing really, really well. Yes, yes. Yeah. they always do. <laughs> you know, it's not cold enough to stop, and I've got aphids. How can I have aphids when I'm it's so cold? I've got aphids. Mm. Good heavens! Yeah. I couldn't believe it when yep. I saw the aphids. I've got to go around with some gloves on and go squashing. Okay. Oh. The At aphid. this time of year, yeah. the aphids the aphids come on the wind. They've even done tests with aphids in lettuce, and they've found aphids that come across from New Zealand, and they've found them in lettuce in Tasmania. Good they've heavens! Been yeah. So they, we've they had in, some they, bad north winds. They ride in the winds. clouds. Yeah, because yeah. we've had some bad north winds lately. Yes. So that's yeah. how they've got there. I'm yeah. very cross. Mm. I do not need so aphids we already. So bl- we blame all the Queenslanders because they come from up north. <laughs> <laughs> but, you, but speaking of wind, <laughs> yes. you know how all um, fig trees yes. are pollinated by wasps? Yes. Well, the, you know, the really big Moreton Bay fig has been in New Zealand for years, God only knows how long, and they've all been vegetatively propagated because it's come from Australia. The wasp has turned up in New Zealand, mm-hmm. right. and nobody would bring it in. Mm. No, no. I mean, the assumption is it's come in on the wind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And can you imagine the New Zealanders if that wasp gets around propagating 
Moreton Bay figs, they will complain. Oh, I shouldn't say this in front of Craig. Oh, they will fine. complain because it'll, you know, Moreton Bay fig is a weed. is a pretty scary thought, really. Mm. Yeah. Goodness, but that, see, that must have come in on the wind. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Okay, let's go to our first caller. We have uh, Glennis out in Brunswick. Good morning, Glennis. Oh, good morning. Um, I've, I've got a garden that I'm looking after up in Ballarat, and I've got a, a very old Banksia rose. It's not very big, and I don't know anything about Banksia roses except that they're beautiful. <laughs> Are they natives or...? No, they're not natives, but um, Banksia roses are really tough. And the real um, trick with Banksia roses is you prune them after they've flowered in the springtime. Oh, right, but, right. Um, how long have you been at this property? Oh, a while. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, prob- yes, the problem is I'm going to have to shift it because a fence is going to be built. Okay, it's well... It's quite old and it's not terribly big. Mm-hmm, okay. And... If you can just give me any hints about shifting it. When you say not terribly big, how big is it? Oh, it's look, it's it's obviously been cut back in the past. Yes. It's only about, oh, three, three foot high. Okay. How extraordinary. I yes. mean, Banksia I roses are huge. I know. Yes. The one down at Ceres at the end of the train, the most beautiful one yes. that's, that's ever been seen, they cut that down and, and it regrew um, beautifully. Mm. Right. Yeah. When, when are you planning on shifting it? Well, this is it. That's I'm asking asking advice because the date isn't set for the fence. Yeah. And I'm I'm you know working on the the banks of your rose going before the fence has to be built. Okay. Well, you could shift it at any time. Right. Um. The the yeah, it'd be good now. And uh, the main thing is when you shift it, give it a good watering with liquid seaweed. Right. Okay. Right. Okay. And if yeah. you've got any real soft growth on it, just tip that soft growth. But you don't need that size, Banks. You don't need to really hop into it with with, mm. with pruning. But as it gets older, each uh, each winter, uh, not each spring after it's finished flowering, and if it starts to get really big, you can hop into it. Right. It'll really respond well. Right. But I mean, prune it after it's finished flowering. I think it's been there a long time. Yes. And I really don't want it want it to die. I want it to. Live and grow. I'm mm. going to have space with the new fence for it actually to grow. Yes. So, what are you going to put it in a pot till the new fence is done? Well, is that the sensible thing to do? Well, you've got to. Yeah. I mean, you. Yeah. You want to be if you can plant it straight into its permanent position. That would be better. Mm. Right. No, well, it'll probably be a, a gap between taking it out and the fence being built. Well, mm. then I would put it into as big a pot as you can find and it'll have a big root ball so you want to take as much root as possible Ah, and prune any damaged roots before you put it back into the pot right Right. even if you cut them off say with with a shovel um when you come to put it in 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 the pot just give them a trim back and 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 neaten them up right okay and if you're going to have it in a pot i'd give it liquid seaweed once a fortnight in the pot right okay right okay Yes, well, that answers all my questions, and thank you very much. Okay, that's okay. fine. Bye. Bye. That number, if you'd like to uh, join in the conversation this morning, we'd love to hear from you, 94190155. That's 94190155. Yes, I noticed they actually um, telecast the uh, the Chelsea Flower Show this year in here in Australia, which was Did interesting. They? I, yes. Yeah. I uh-huh. And the one at Hampton Court, it's actually really good fun because you, you can 
you get the boat across the river. Yep, yep. <laughs> so it's really, yep. you know, all terribly cute. Yeah, but as, as yeah, I, I said Chelsea, I meant Hampton yep. Court. Oh, right, um, yes. Because obviously we, we get to see Chelsea Just, mm. every year, but Hampton Court they uh, showed for the first time, and it looked to be big. It, it is big. Mm. I liked it better than Chelsea, I suppose. It felt, I'd never been before. I've been, I haven't been to Chelsea for years, but I didn't like Chelsea on one level because I don't like really big crowds and yes. it was just so crowded Too whereas big, yeah. Hampton Court is a bigger space mm. um, it would a different suite of plants too wouldn't it not being m- summer oh yes yes but no. not massively but yes oh. I mean it's still that same thing of you know un- uh, they, they because there's so many of them I suppose you've got these wonderful growers that mm. just do extraordinary things mm. yeah. you know whereas what we have here is Fewer and fewer nurseries and not many. I mean, the the equivalent of Plant Trust, which is called Plant Heritage over there, they had something like four stalls. Right. And, and you know, they were fantastic and they had one stall where they were selling just so many seeds of really rare plants. And, mm. you know, we could no more manage that than fly to the moon. We just don't have that sort of membership. Well, nobody would buy the seed anyway. No, they <laughs> wouldn't know what to do with it. <laughs> And they had this beautiful, beautiful um, uh, greenhouse that had no – that was where all the glass just met glass. You know how they do in buildings. You, yes, yes. It was I, – I mean, it cost a fortune, but it was so pretty. And I thought if you're going to have a greenhouse, you might as well have a really pretty one. <laughs> <laughs> Go the full hog. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Okay. So what's been happening up your way, Craig? Um, well, this, this time of year, pruning, mulching. Yep. Yep. Dealing with weeds, as Virginia said. Mm. It's been a weedy winter. Right. Yeah. And I've, I've also been um, moving big dissector maples all winter. In the oh, garden gosh. Working, mm. Which is a painful job. But Yes. Yeah. Why? Um, because they were planted in a row. Oh. Like a hedge, and it just looked silly. Mm. So I decided to break it all up. Okay. Yeah. It's a major operation. But look, it's amazing the tough treatment they can take. Mm. Yeah. Yes, really uh, thick roots. I've, you know, I've been cutting through them with a saw. Oh, oh really? Yeah. Moving. And yeah. how how tall are they, Craig? Well, they're they're weepers, so one point eight, I suppose. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I give them a good cut back and trench them and get underneath the root ball and yes. hoist them out. That is a big job. Yeah. Right. Why and on earth would someone plant a weeper in a row? Oh, people do funny things. <laughs> Yeah. I just can't envisage it. Yeah, but look, they—I I moved one last year just to see how it would go. Yep, and it was fine. I mean, I had to water it this summer. I assume that's probably the last time. Yep. Yeah. Well, I've, given that it's been a dry, you know. Yeah. I yeah. find for enough. me that if I have them on the north side of the house, even if it's in the shade, they just react incredibly badly to the north wind. Yeah, they like shelter. Yes. Yeah. It seems to me they want shelter from the wind more than they want shelter from the sun. That's right. Mm. Yeah. Great tub plants. Mm. Yeah. Yes, they're lovely. Yeah. So I think most maples are rather exciting. Yeah, and I, and I do lots sycamore. of bulb moving over the winter. I, I don't know about anybody else, but I always forget where I've put them. And, well, I know, I know the sort of basic vicinity. Yes. But not exactly where they are. So I wait until they're showing their heads. Yes, right. And then dig them up and Good split idea. them and move them. Mm. And uh, it doesn't interrupt the flowering at all. Yep. Yeah. No, I can't think of a better time to do it, actually. Yeah, that's right. I've got some yeah. in my... I planted about 50 daffodils in my front lawn and I've only got about 10 of them 
still there. This was years and years ago. And I think I'm going to dig them all up because they just don't like competing with the grass. Hmm. And having them there means it's really complicated to mow. It needs a mow now, and the daffodils have only just come out. Yep. So I'm going to dig them all up and put them in the garden. Because I, I grow them all through the lawn up at Long Acres, and it's fine. They they haven't done well for me anywhere in the lawn. I mean, I've got all that really heavy um, summer grass. Yeah. And. I'm surprised know. because, I mean, you see so many gardens where they've naturalised right, right through the, the lawn. It's a sort of famous treatment for Absolutely, for yeah. yes. Well, you, I, I mean, you see it everywhere in Britain, but then they've got those much those winter grasses yeah. that are much more delicate. They're not you as You see delicious. a lot of that done in Tasmania too, mm. yes. I think, I think what, what you're saying is, is true, uh, Virginia, the... The, the grasses, there are grasses that will compete with them and there are grasses that are what I call more gentle with them. Mm. Yeah. I think my and grasses are all vicious. I've got, you know, you name it. I've got yeah. paspalum, I've got cooch, I've got all yeah. those yeah. horrible... Well, you've got paspalum with such that such root competition, haven't you? Yes. Yeah, that's a challenge. Dense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I think yeah. that's the trouble. The grass, oh, yeah. they just don't... Because yeah. I find that with my trees. Mm-hmm. All the trees that I've planted in the grass, I now have taken the grass away from the trees and I've mulched really heavily around them. So the grass... The, the but that tr- should be standard practice, shouldn't I mean, yeah. you know, big, big ring of mulch so you can feed them and give them some water for the first couple of years. Well, none of my eucalypts are like that. But oh, all yeah. my all but my other sorry, trees are... eucalypts in our garden are weeds, come on. <laughs> no, they're not. <laughs> they're pretty. Pretty, okay. <laughs> okay, let's go to our next caller. We have Sharon in Cheltenham. Good morning, Sharon. Oh, good morning. Uh, look, I've got a young tamarillo tree which has been very prolific. I was about to prune it in the spring, but it puzzles me because it's got a lot of flowers on it. Don't prune those flowers off. No, that's what I thought. No. So when would you give it a light prune? After you've eaten it. Oh, so I've missed it, perhaps. No, no, the, the flowers will turn into fruit. Yeah, but um, that, that, what I mean is I've picked the last of the fruit and it's flowered, so I should have been... Yes, yes, it. yes. Wait. Where, where do they flower? Tamarillo's on new wood or on old wood? Or? I think it's new wood. I'm, I'm not really sure, but I was just surprised that it flowered so quickly because I thought, oh, another few weeks... It old. seems my tamarillo isn't even looking like flowering yet. Ah. So okay. that's... I mean, I... I don't know. I keep taking... I plant it and then I end up taking it out because I plant it in the wrong position and it's got too big. Yes, they certainly are a funny tree. They grow so quickly. And yes. It produced um, fruit so very quickly too. Like if you're wanting instant gratification, <laughs> it's sort of amazingly quick. What colour are your tamarillos? Uh, they're a beautiful um, red and then they go quite dark red. It's yes. Crimson. Yeah. Yeah. Because you can get a yellow one as well. I want to grow that. The but yellow I, one's sweeter. I don't know where to put it. It's where I come from in the north of New Zealand. They're almost weeds. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. They, I they can put... imagine them being um, like a weed. They've, they've sort of got that look about them. In yeah. A yeah. Um, but we we don't let them get old. No. So they're replaced quite regularly. Yes. Yeah. I I think that's the way to go. I've got one fruit that I forgot to eat, and it's gone all soft and. So I'm trying an experiment. I've put it on top of a pot of soil just to see if it'll grow. I think that'd be quite easy. Well, they certainly self-seed and up in the north of New Zealand, so I would have thought yeah. if you'd collect the seed out of the fruit and sow it, it wouldn't be difficult. No, well, we did have one um, grow behind the garage, which was about six foot from 
the tamarillo and it just seemed to grow naturally like we didn't plant it. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I'm just trying the seed and see if I have any luck. Mm. I've just looked it up on good old Wikipedia. Yes. And it says that tip pruning it, which wouldn't affect the flowers, is oh. handy to get the right tree shape. Yes. Light pruning leads to medium-sized Heavy pruning leads to large-sized fruits. So obviously if you remove some of the flowers, you'll get bigger bigger fruit. Ah. When the tree is 1 to 1.5 metres in height, it is advisable to cut the roots on one side and lean the tree to the other. So you lean the tree in the direction of the midnight, midday sun. Sounds oh. a bit elaborate. It does sound mm. very elaborate. This allows fruiting to grow all along the trunk rather than just at the top, but just like you would with a rose, you know, mm. a climbing rose, mm. how you yep. try and get it fairly um, horizontal yes. so that the... Yes. Yeah, the, the upright sort of flower. So yeah. do what I've done and go and ask Wikipedia. Yes. There's a lovely big article here on yes. tamarillos. Well, I will just give it a tip. Oh, my, oh, main thoughts on pruning was I didn't want it. It's got so big so quickly I'm worried that it might start to... Snap, you know. Yes, yes. Yeah, they get leggy, don't they? I, look, I'd be inclined to give it a good hard chop. Tr- if they yeah. fruit on new wood, it's really a no, a non-issue. And, yeah. and, and it's highly likely it'll re-flower if you yeah. do yeah. that because it's very early for its flowering. Yes, mm. yes, I think that's... And I think what I'm going to do is go home and dig mine up and put it somewhere <laughs> more practical. Again. <laughs> Again. <laughs> Again. I keep, I keep putting it in, in my fruit cage, in my vegetable cage. Plant it with a trolley underneath it next time. <laughs> <laughs> So you, you can be boss with your pruners there. Yeah, I think right. so. And watch yeah. out for the yellow one. Yes. It's and I noticed um, <clears throat> mine's along a back fence, but the possums haven't eaten it. Ah, That's interesting. That's good. Yes. Okay. Well, my, in my garden last year, it was the rats that got into my pumpkins that really irritated me. Oh, yes, it's terrible. Mm. Still. Well, good luck. Thank mm. you. Okay, then. <laughs> Bye. Bye. That number, if you'd like to join us this morning, you are listening to the 3CR Gardening Show. The number is 94190155. That's 94190155. Graham, you brought in a rose this morning. Do you want to tell us a bit about which one it is? Yes, this, this rose I brought in is, is Twilight Glow. And I have sp- spoken about this before on, on radio. Um, Twilight Glow will... will um, get to around about um, three three or four metres if you let it go. But you can also grow it as a bush. It's a very, very full flower, uh, a gorgeous flower, not unlike some of the David Austins. Okay. And it's an orangey colour with, with some white, a white edging. And we've got some customers that will tell us that they've got up to 40 of this particular variety in their garden because it cuts very well and puts in a vase. It grows very, or goes very well in a vase. Okay. So it's a very um, um, versatile rose. It can right. do, do many things with it. Yep. So um, that's Twilight Glow, and it's bred by the, the Milan people who bred the famous Peace Rose. Yes. And, um, of course, it's got a perfume, good. which is really good. Yeah. Excellent. Mm. Yeah. Um, and, of course, with climbers, you know, I was talking to Virginia before, you get so many flowers on climbers, which is real value. My Nancy Hayward's in flower at the moment. Uh, yeah, I've got yeah. about five flowers on it, yes. full big flowers. I keep yes. wanting to write it a note. It mm. is still winter. Yes. <laughs> Well, Alistair Clark, that was his, his one of his major aims to get roses to flower in twelve months of the year, and mm. of course he used Rosa gigantea uh, from out of the Himalayas to to um, breed with, and um, of course a Lorraine Lee is another rose that'll mm. flower in the winter time as well. I've got a Lorraine Lee yeah. in flower, but I expected yeah. that. I didn't expect Nancy to do it. Uh-huh. 
And it's a unique colour too, isn't it? It is. Yeah. It's lovely. And I've put it up one of those dreaded eucalypts mm-hmm. so I don't prune it, which of course is why it mm. is flowering because yep. you go rushing around pruning furiously. I mean, a lot of my roses mm-hmm. are coming, which is why the aphids are such mm. an unhappy sight because mm. they're all really beginning You need to a shoot. strong rose to complete, complete with any eucalypt. Well, Nancy's doing fine. The, uh, and Virginia's she's been there for ages. Giving her Nancy Haywood the challenge. <laughs> <laughs> so what happens with the aphids if we just leave them? Do they disappear eventually? Or? I presume they will, but not before they've eaten all my tips. Because I get them on my dissectums every year, thick with them, and, yes. and I don't do anything. Yes. And, well, you, and by the end of spring, they're gone. And I hose them off, and, yeah, all, and right. on my roses, I actually go around and put a pair of gloves on and just squash them. Mm. Because they'll get on to the new growth and yeah. damage it. Well, you can blast them off with a hose, and once mm. once they they're off the the plant itself, um, they they'll actually die. I never poison mm. them ever. I wouldn't yeah, think yeah. of poisoning them yeah. because you end up poisoning the ladybirds as well. Kill the birds, too. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. You know, but but I do I I do get them off. Yeah. Because if I go round, I mean, I, you know, the birds and and the other bugs will come and eat them. Mm. But if mm. I go around and rescue, particularly my rose tips, yeah. There's yeah. still enough around to feed mm. nature. Yeah. Mm. And, and they're, they're breeding very quickly. Oh. So yeah. it's a good idea. You can blast them off with a hose. Just yep. put the hose on them and give them a blast. Mm. And so they don't, come, they don't crawl back onto the... No. Ah. No, they, they, I've often wondered they don't survive. That. So that's yeah. the end of them. Yeah. yeah. They're okay. so reliant on the sap. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, right. that sounds like hose a good out. idea. Yeah, the hose <laughs> out nice mm. and quickly. But I, I quite like squeezing them. <laughs> getting, sense of satisfaction Getting green Squeeze fingers Squeeze therapy yeah. <laughs> Okay Craig, you've brought a few things in Let's have a chat about some of them Yeah, I wanted to talk about Daphne first You know, it's so often people come into the nursery And tell me their Daphne's sick And my first question is How old of it is it? And invariably they say 10 to 15 years Yes And I say, well, pull it out Yeah um, mm-hmm. That's about their lifespan and once they start declining, and the decline can take quite a while, a number of years, mm. it's better to just to put yourself out of misery, pull <laughs> it out and put another one in. Yes. Um, there's nothing you can do to yes. reverse it. Yes. They are, though. The, the original old Daphne Adora um, was quite prone, wasn't it, to, um, to uh, certain diseases and things. Mm. They're trying to breed them more, more um, free of um, viruses yeah, in particular. Right. Um, so the newer ones, hopefully, I mean, some of these newer ones have only come out in the last couple of years. I don't know how well they're going to last. I'm they're fantastic. Yep. Mm. Yeah. They're as tough Except as. they've got plant variety rights on them. Mm. Yes. <laughs> no good for people like you. Yeah, but they're good plants. Okay. But I love Odora, and I just think you, you view it as a short-lived trub. Yep. You can extend the life of it by pruning, and there's a very short window for pruning it, which is just straight after it's flowered. Because they only grow once a year, so you have to prune them before that grow. My period. pruning is bringing it into the house. <laughs> yeah, mm. I just you know a when lot I, of when people I, do that when yes. I when I because I've got a, an absolutely huge one. It's a, it must be one and a half meters by one and a half meters, mm. and it's at least um, shoulder uh, yeah. hip height. And I when I prune when I take a bit into the house, I take a really big piece off. Yeah, to just t- take it back because that's it must be. Oh, it must be. Ten years old. Yeah, I mean, are they easy to propagate? Um, December, you do the mm, cuttings. Mm. No, you get a low strike rate, but you probably get a few to strike. Mm. Um, if they need heat, I think. Right, mm. yeah. I've, I've got them all over my garden. I love, and I've got 
that really big one is facing west, and I've got another one facing west. They get a bit of shade, but yeah. they're in positions they shouldn't survive. Yeah, I mean, I just give mine a light prone every year, mm. just to, just really just the tips. Mm. So the one that you've got here in, in the studio, Craig, it's 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 a Very, white variegated white, variegated white. Yeah, yeah it's I quite love the white one for its perfume. It's yes, yes I do too. Lemon perfume, really? yes. Yeah. So that's more perfume than, say, the pink variety? It's a different perfume. Different perfume. Okay. Yeah. Yes. No, I wouldn't say more. Mm. No, but it's got a citrusy. That's right. Mm. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Yes, it's well, gorgeous. It's, it's actually not quite as sweet. And some of, some of the winter perfumes are almost too sweet. They're cloying. Yes, yes. You know, I, I've got the straight white. It, it doesn't have the variegation on the leaf. Yeah. But mm. it's out in full bloom at the moment. It's yeah, glorious. fantastic. Yes. Yeah. We had a grower near us that used to grow them, propagate them in worm castings and clay soil. Okay. And he had tubs full of them. He used to supply coals years and years and years ago when they were very fashionable. Yeah. Yeah, and he very successful with what he how he grew them, 50-50 of clay and, and, and worm castings. Well, I've okay. got clay and I've got worm castings. I must mm. try. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I've got dry, a- dry, I grow them in dry shade in my place. Dry shade. Yep. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Good. They really flourish. Okay. Yeah. Mine just gets morning sun. Yep. Um, but it's it's thriving. So yeah. yeah. But as soon as they start looking sick, and you need to understand that after they flower, they go through a period of they look pretty scruffy mm. when they drop their old leaves. So that's not sick. No. Mm. Yeah. But mm-hmm. uh, if, as soon as they start getting sick, pull them out. So yep. if they put, look put sick in November in. and December, that's yep. when get you make the judgment. Just get rid of it. Yep. Yep. Because it's a long, slow decline. And, and, and Craig, you have other ones too. I grow lots of them. Yes, you've got Balua. Balua. Balua is really big. Mm. Balua needs a good hard chop or it gets leggy and it's flowering now, throwing perfume all over the garden. And I'm growing all these new ones. And um, Mazarium, you've got that, uh, have you? Yeah, only very young. Mm. They're slow. And um, Sonorum, um, what's the little blue one? Oh, I love that little blue one. What yeah. is it called? Genkwa. Genkwa, yes. Yep. And it, it flowers before the leaves. Yeah, and it's much easier to propagate than most. It's I like It's a deciduous Genkwa. one. I yeah. haven't got Genkwa. I must, ooh, I must yeah. do that. And the perfume on that? Uh, not spectacular. Uh-huh. Yeah, it flowers before, before the leaves come in spring. Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, <clears throat> and same treatment for these newer ones, which are a lot more multi-stemmed, yeah, aren't they? Still prone them. Just a tip prone after they flowered. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Let's go to uh, Peter, who's down in Rye. Good morning, Peter. Good morning. Go ahead. First, sorry, the yeah. first time I've called, but very interested in your show. Oh, good. Now, how um, can we help? I can. I'm trying to find something that I believe is unusual, but uh, a red pansy, like not the dark uh, red, but more a uh, crimson red, bright red. Is there such a thing? I think there is. And I noticed, I dropped into Wanda Nursery the other day and I noticed they've just got in some pansies. They'll be, and I was going to go and have a look at the wholesalers before I came on and I forgot to because I think we'll probably find they're about to come in rather than sitting around a lot at the moment. But I've seen um, a very deep red Pansies. Yes, I know there's, there's a lot of those, but I'm trying to get a. But I, a, I haven't. I, I don't. I can't for the life of me think of a fire firebox sort of red pansy. Yeah, right? more scarlet red. Yeah. no, no idea. Um, no. Peter, you might like like to contact Hort Wide Services at Wandong. Hort Wide, H O R T. Yep. W I D E. 
All one word? Yep. And um, uh, speak to them at Wandong. Ask for Ziggy. He's the, he's the owner. He grows heaps of pansies. Right. And you can have a yarn with Ziggy. And he brings in, in uh, stock from overseas as well. So he's at uh, Wandong. And that's spelled yeah. Wandong. W-I-N-D-O-N-G. That's up near you, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's up mm. near where we are. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That sounds fantastic. Okay. Okay then, Peter. Thank you very much. Righto. Bye. I will call again. Thanks. Good. That number again, if you'd like to ring in this morning, nine four one nine zero one double five. What else have you got there, Craig? Uh, cyclamen, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Your cyclamen, Craig, are absolutely wonderful. This is Libanoticum. <laughs> Which is quite oh, rare in the wild <laughs> from the mountains in Lebanon. <clears throat> it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. Quite a big flower for species cyclamen and, and very consistently marked leaf, the marbled leaf. So with most of the species you get a big variation in the leaf marbling. Yes. But, but Libanoticum seems to be pretty consistent. And the leaves get big and it's quite sparse. So it doesn't form that big clump of leaves and the flowers emerge that emerge from... Um, are quite visible, therefore. Yeah, that's right. This one's quite sparse. Uh, but it does really well in my garden. It is yeah. a very big flower for yeah. a cyclamen. I mean, it it's is. not it's for not a species. Big, yeah. yeah. It's not a, a big flower, but it's very big for the species. It's And it's rather beautiful. Oh, it's gorgeous. Yeah, very beautiful flower. Mm. Soft pink, and then it's got um, at the centre of the flower almost a crimson. Touch. Yeah, mm. touch to it. Do you sell this one? Yep, got plenty mm. of Libanoticum. Oh, nice. Yep, they're not flowering size. All right. That, that you know, that's from seed. That's a five or six year job. So yes, <laughs> yeah. But that is absolutely beautiful. It's very striking, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Look, I've been trying many cyclamen in the garden, and this one does really well. Your garden is stunning at this time of year because you've just got carpets, sheets of them. It's yeah. beautiful, which is what I'm trying to do with this. This one, yeah. Yeah, collecting the seed and raising them and trying to get a drift going. It's a long, slow job. It is a long, slow job. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. What else there? Gardening is about the future. That is. That's right. (laughs) Totally. A couple of alternative hedges. Oh, yes. Oh, right. Yeah, sweet box, Psychococca confusa, which is in flower at the moment. If you put it under deciduous trees where the sun hits it at this time of the year, the perfume is astonishing. Mm. Probably stronger than a Daphne, I think. Goodness. Yeah. And it clips up beautifully. It's a lovely plant. Yeah, and it'll grow in dry shade. Right. Very handy. Yeah, and sweet. I don't know if you can get it. It really needs the sun on it. Yes, so it'll smell lovely this afternoon. Oh, yes, I can. Mm. Yes, I've got that outside we're, my bedroom. We're all in the studio doing the whiff experience. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Gorgeous. It's good. So is, is that fairly dense, Craig? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, you can get so it to look like... So make it really... You can get it to look like box. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Without any difficulty at all. But you wouldn't grow it in really full it's afternoon sun. It's mm. a shade plant. It's a shade plant. And yeah. it'd be pretty tough. It would You're tough as old boots. Yeah. 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 I got mine from Sophie Ducker and... She used to teach botany at Melbourne Uni. Okay. And she had it in Camberwell or somewhere like that under oak trees. Oh, right. Yeah. Mm, so it likes the winter sun and, and the summer shade. The winter sun is not necessary, but what it does is force it to really throw the perfume out. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Because I have mine facing east yeah. outside my bedroom window. Yeah. And 
sometimes open the door just to let the smell in, yeah. even though it's too cold. There's <laughs> another one. There's another one with black stems. Look, I forget the name of it. It's one of those plants with about four names. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the botanists um, have got to work. Yes, that's right. Um, and it suckers everywhere. Oh, that sounds oh. good. I'd like that. <laughs> it's the opposite for me. I pulled it out and got rid of it. Yes, that's what I'd do. Yeah. <laughs> so I'd stick to just confuser. Mm. And the other one is um, Euonymus microphylla, which I really like. It's, it's, look, it's just a little green shrub, but as an alternative to box, mm-hmm. much slower than box. Right. So which I always think is an advantage. Yes, yeah, so it's, yes. It's a once-a-year prune. Okay, yeah, perfect. It, yeah, that's right. It doesn't get very big. A lot of the Euonymus do really interesting things in autumn. Does that? No. No. It's strictly for a hedge. Right. Otherwise, I wouldn't bother growing it. Mm. Yep. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's as boring as box. <laughs> it's as boring as box. There you go. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay, we'll go to our next caller. We have uh, Marion in Frankston. Good morning, Marion. Oh, good morning. Um, I, I guess my question is mainly directed at Graham. Yes. Um, I have a beautiful old Lorraine Lee rose, which I've had in at least about 25 years. And I've grown it, like Virginia was saying, up, but I've grown it up a casuarina. And it had one very strong leader that had grown right up amongst the casuarina and dripped down and it looked absolutely beautiful. At any rate, I've just had somebody here cleaning up because mine's a very old garden. And he decided to attack the Lorraine Lee oh, no. with a chainsaw. Oh, oh no! And it, the the leader that was right up in the tree has been cut off at about, I suppose, about six feet above the ground. And having a look at it, there was another lovely, strong green one that he's cut off about two feet above the ground. And there's another one which is old... Um, but it's got a, a bit of uh, a green leader that's going up into the tree, but it's not a strong, not a really strong one. And I'm just wondering, what's my best approach? Should I take out that old one that's right up in the tree and start again, or oh, I just don't know what's the best approach with it? That um, happened how, to me. How far? To, sorry. That happened to me with my Nancy Haywood. Yeah. And then I've just let what remained go and it's yeah. back up in the tree. I would, I would say knowing, knowing Lorraine Lee and, and what Virginia, how she's treated hers uh, would be good. But what I would also do, do, do with it to get it up and going, um, give it liquid seaweed. Right. I'd give it liquid seaweed once a week for the next six weeks. Okay. All over the, the whole plant, especially around the butt mm. where it comes, you know, from the ground. Right. And, and that'll encourage new growth to come up from, from that area. So, look, you, by no means you, you've lost it. Lorraine Lee will, will kick on for you. Is that sea salt or sea salt power feed, Ram? Um, no, I, I, I tend to st- stick to the straight... Sea salt. Yeah, straight yeah. sea salt or straight liquid seaweed. You yeah. could use any good liquid seaweed. But do it once a week. In the long run, Marin, you'll probably find that Lorraine Lee will be pleased. I yeah. know. I mean, I understand how you feel because somebody thought they were doing me a favour when they pruned my Nancy Hayward and I yeah. nearly wept. I did too. Yeah. I couldn't believe my eyes. Uh, I just yeah. looked at all this beautiful but, Lorraine Lee and it was just in just coming a lot of lovely new buds. Oh, and everything. no. I thought, Oh, lying on there on the ground. Well, <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Um, when she's flowered in the spring, 
just tip prune on, back on those uh, flower leaders. Just you know, in the old language, about three or four inches tip prune. And okay. if you if you when you're looking at the Lorraine land, you see any dieback, just cut below the dieback, right? And and into the green wood, and, and that you know that's okay. Okay. But you you know you've got a genetically tough rose, in, and it's got a lot of gi- gi- rose of gigantia in it. Yeah. So it, it it'll definitely want to get up and go. That's good. I thought maybe this is the last time i No, no, no. She'll come back stronger than ever, I suspect. And the liquid seaweed will certainly help the whole situation. Okay. Okay. That's lovely. Okay, then. Okay. Don't panic. Okay. Thanks very much. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. When uh, we should tell listeners, um, if if you've got all these um, cyclamen out in flower at the moment, it would be a perfect time to visit the nursery. It is for the bulbs. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So let listeners know your address again and uh, when you're open. Thirty-eight, Alinda Mombok Road, in mm-hmm. Alinda, and um, closed on Tuesdays. Otherwise, I'm there ten to five. Okay. Yeah. Perfect time to go up. Yeah, for winter for winter bulbs. Yeah, and of course there's galanthus everywhere. Oh, sheets, beautiful sheets of them. Right. Yeah. And this, this, they are wonderful. The galanthus. Yeah, they're fantastic. Absolutely yeah. beautiful. Yeah. And they'll naturalise. Yeah, they should be planted deep mm. where the bulbs stay cool. But right. I put all my bulbs in deep. Mm. Yeah. Spade depth. Yep. Mine yeah. come up, I find. I'm not sure if it's the rabbits or what, but I, I do. They f- come up to the surface. I do find they come up to the surface. Yeah, yeah you just bury them again. Yes, I do. Yeah. I do. I go, but I'm, I've just because I've been away. I've gone round and I've found all these just, you know, bulbs and they're, they're beginning to come on. And I think you've got to get deep, down deep, down deep. Yes, that's right. <laughs> and yeah. and for, the, for the listeners, Craig, why would you plant them that deep? Keeps the bulbs cool over the summer. All oh, right, okay. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And your daffodils, you do the same thing? Yep, absolutely. And, and are you in that red soil, that re- really red linda soil, or is it? It's chocolate. Okay, chocolate. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> the red soil's down in Sylvan. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yes, I I think um, because one of the things I love doing is having things planted deep that are flowering now and flowering through spring, Mm. and then disappear in summer, so I don't have to worry about them. They're deep down in Mm. the soil, looking after themselves, and while where everything else is getting burnt, burnt, burnt in February, Mm. they're all safely below ground, thinking, "Oh, we can ignore that." Yeah. Well, I guess. Two, by planting them deep, you're less prone to rotting them off with too much watering of the garden in yeah. general in summertime. Yeah, but, yeah well, that's really not an – I don't water, but yeah. No, yeah. but I mean for people that do, yeah, that's right. you really don't want to be rotting off all your bulbs in the middle of summertime. Yes, yeah, yeah, get them down. <laughs> yes, yeah. okay, yeah. excellent. Well, that's a lesson I've learned in my garden with, with a lot of clay soil. Yeah. And, yes. of course, with the bulbs in around the roses, you tend to want to water the roses in the summertime. Yes. And I'm, I'm going to shift a lot of my bulbs and get them, get them away from where the roses are going to be watered. So that's an issue for you, is it? Yeah. 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 Okay. yeah. And I think it's an important issue for people that got, especially got clay in their garden. Yep. And, and I'll keep the roses back, more, the uh, daffodil bulbs, more to the edge. And if I do put a sprinkler on the garden, I can just go over the, where the bulbs are and then water the roses from there. Yep. Do you divide but, them every now and again, Graham? Or do you um, just... Yeah, I've never really done that. Yeah. No, I, but I've looked and I've had some bulbs there that I was given from Tasmania from um, a, a breeder there. He's, he's no longer with us now. And, 
and they, they were beautiful f- for, for a number of years and they're starting to reduce in numbers. You they can need see that. dividing. Yeah. And they've yeah. been getting too much water in the summer. I, I honestly believe that. But also they probably need dividing. Yeah, yeah. I divided all my Veltimia last year. Yeah. And it's all, I mean, it's not quite in bloom. It's nearly in bloom. Mm. And yeah, it's really pleased. Yes. Yeah. It's re- right. But that, and it also means instead of having one big clump outside the back door, mm-hmm. I've got it all over the garden. Yeah. 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 And I've planted it under under trees because mm. it's a dry shade. So it's under trees where, it, you know, it is very dry, yeah. the trees making it dry. Yeah. Did you see many uh, bulbs out in England while you were there? No, yeah. I was too late. Mm-hmm. The lilies? Yes, the lilies were coming out yeah. big time. Yeah. But I'm, I missed all the spring flowering. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yes, because they love lilies. Spring's overrated anyway. I I never plant for spring I mean spring just happens anyway It does, you're right You don't need to plant spring flowering things Because they're already there I I actually think that's a good point I really do You know, It's the same thing happens with roses They just do it for you in spring anyway But you want things in in the summer Summer summer, autumn and winter Yes, except Mm. for the ixias My blue ixias I, I plant those and I divide them So I've got them in other areas because I just think they're so beautiful. Yeah, mm. Mm. I really, really, they, you know, if there are there are some bulbs that mm. you plant for for um, spring because you just love them. Yeah, and the, and yeah. those blue green ixias, I, I adore them. Silly, but, yeah. <laughs> the, the ixias are really good, tough critters, aren't they? Yes, really oh yes, yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Bred for Australian conditions. Well, they're <laughs> well, they're South African. Yeah, okay. Mm. Yeah. But that's why they Similar. thrive so well. Similar yeah. weather, yeah. 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 And there's Sparaxis you know, down Gruyere Road near me, all out in the road. That's mm-hmm. right. Yes. Yeah. So I'm sure that's not desirable. So I'll go and dig some of them up and put them in my garden to get them out of the road in a weedy position. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they will spread everywhere. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. I like things that spread. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I took... Um, I got some stuff from Stephen. He said, oh, no, uh, that will spread. Oh, good. The only thing I don't, I mean, I don't want my um, agapanthus to spread, for example. So or I rush mombrecia. around. Um, or mombrecia. Yes, I oh. deadhead my aggies. But mm. I don't find they spread. And the I, aggies? Mm, mm. No, I, I mean, they, they really thicken up. Mm. That's an underground thing. But they, mm. no, I don't find they spread much. Yeah. Okay. Whereas verbascum for me, not the big yellow one, but even pretty little of verbascums, they seem to... Seed everywhere. Oh, they're off. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're a problem. Okay. You are listening to the 3CR Gardening Show. We're running through until 9.15, so plenty of time for people to jump on the phone and give us a call. In the studio this morning, we've got Virginia Haywood, Craig Wilson and Graham Sargent, so we'd love to hear from you. That number, 94190155, Craig, what else have you got there? Um, Calicarpa japonica, which is, look, I've seen it growing very happily in Melbourne. It's probably in the Bot Gardens, isn't it? Yes, yes, we've yeah. got Calicarpa there. Yeah, it's lovely, lovely deciduous shrub, um, which has purple berries on bare wood in winter. So it's really pretty. It's really handsome, I yeah. think, yeah. And it's one of those shrubs that flowers on the new tips so that you can give it a good chop every year after the berries have dropped off and keep it compact. Mm-hmm. Semi-shaded position. It's it's just a nice thing for the winter garden. Okay. Yeah. Calicarpa, that is. Calicarpa, yes. yeah. And I have Beauty bush. Yes, yes. Not to be confused with Colwissia. Yes, which is the other beauty bush, <laughs> yes. which is another one that's beautiful, although 
I think the colwitzia is a bit like um, the cantua. As a plant, it's pretty boring. I'm a bit wary of those summer flowering shrubs, mm. deciduous shrubs, unless you've got a big garden because they're pretty ho-hum for most of the year. Very ho-hum. And then you've got three weeks of beauty. The, well, the cantua, the cantua is called the pride of the Incas oh. and it has um, very, very bright, bright pink with yellow. I mean, it's an extraordinary flower and it's a little, it's a bell. It's really beautiful. But the shrub is really boring. Yeah. Really boring. And it's it's a difficult one. I've got a really I've got a couple of them. Yeah. And I'm going one of them I'm going to prop them this year because I'm going to cut one of them down to ankle height because it's just got so boring. I, I look I, a bit look for a bit more on a plant than three weeks, really. Mm. And if it's going to take up a bit of room in my garden. And the colwitzia is the same. It's the most beautiful um, late spring plant. Yeah. And it's such a boring plant. That's and right. it's big. And big, yeah. Mm. But I think the calicarpa is not in that category, really. No, the calicarpa, for a start off, it's all winter. Yes. So you get yes. Two, or two or three months of berries. Mm. Yes. And um, it's small and delicate. Do you find the berries get eaten? No, I've never had anything eat them. And mm. if, if they got eaten, they'd be eaten in my place. Yes, they would. Crawling you... with parrots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. so so does, does it uh, bring the birds in at all? Are they no. after the... No, They're no, not. put some salvias nearby. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> or a They're having yeah. too much fun on the salvias. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, no, it's not a bird attractive one. Yes. Yeah. I hope you all notice I haven't mentioned salvias yet. No, but we Very should probably talk about them um, because so many have been hit by the frost this year. Yes. Well, I noticed in some of the ones in the botanic gardens and the strobilanthes and some of the salvias, I mean, they're not badly hit, but you can see that they've been burned. Whereas for me, the only thing that I've had trouble with are the heliotropes and all my, all my winter flowering salvias are sitting sort of six foot tall yeah. in flower from ankle height the whole way up. Mm. They're just looking fabulous. But mm. I did swear I wouldn't talk about salvias. Mm. <laughs> they're, they're no, it's all... just that some, some of the salvias in my garden came through without a blink and others have been hit really, really, really badly. They'll still come back, They'll I come think. They'll come back from the base, won't they? I would hope so. Yeah. 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 So. I'm yeah. just leaving them alone until I know yeah. I won't get another frost. A lot of it depends on how old they are. Yes. Well-established plants should, it should back come from back from the base. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. you'll leave them alone for how long, Pam? Well, well you I get frost know. late, don't I you? I do get frost late. So, mm. yes, yeah, so I'd... I'd Certainly would leave them alone until until we really start to get some of that spring warmth and then yeah. I'll just go crazy and chop them. But um, so Which is what you should do in any year, isn't it, really? Well, it is. It yeah. is. I, yeah. I don't think I've it's got a good a, idea to cut them back in the middle of winter. I've got a, well, I, mm. I pruned a lot of mine just before I left. But they so that was June. Yeah. Yeah, and, but, yes, yeah, so I've just been lucky. I mean, Meg, Meg's been more struck with her garden, which yeah. is one the best salvia collections in in Victoria, which is in Gruyere. But um, I've got a few that I'm desperate to cut back because they look so ordinary, Mm. Uh, but I'm leaving them a bit longer. But that's the temptation, you see. I wouldn't dare cut any of mine back yet. No. Yeah. I'd be inclined to leave them alone until you see see them moving. And also I only like to cut to where I, I can see growth. I don't like, you know, like I like to take my salvias down as far as possible mm. and sometimes I'll prune them twice for that. I'll, I'll cut to where I can see that there are, there's leaf coming out, even if it's just a bud, mm. and then if it's still t- a bit leggy, mm. I'll wait till that forces lower down 
um, growth, yeah. mm. and then yep. I'll cut again because I think to cut into wood where you can't see anything. You can't see what's going to move yeah. and what isn't. I mean, some of them, like a lot of the leucanthus, are actually shooting from the base, so mm. I can just go through and take... Well, I won't give that base some protection for another mm. few weeks, mm. but then I'll just go through and go chomp, 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 mm. chomp, yeah. because I can see the new growth coming. Well, but that's I want what to I like to something. do with my roses too. Mm. I prune them. I've only just finished pruning my roses because... They're budding out and you yeah. can see exactly where to cut. Yes. And it's just so much easier yeah, that way. You can form up a bush that way and try and get growth going out out away from the bush itself. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a good, good way to do. Yeah, mm. I think it is. Yeah, yeah, great. Okay, as I mentioned, we are running through until 9.15. If you want to give us a call, that number again is 94190155. Are there any salvias at all that you really shouldn't cut down hard? Well, you can, you can just... Have it as a blanket rule for all of them. No, I, I cut. Well, I've cut some that I thought I would lose in the cutting. Yep, and they've come back. Like um, some of the South African ones that okay. I've just. I mean, I had one that was blocking my view, and when I was sitting with one of, with my friend Lisa, and we were having a glass of wine inside because yep. it was quite cold, and we couldn't see the view, so yep. I just went and got a saw. <laughs> <laughs> Hacked it down <laughs> and Is that went back. Aurea, salvia aurea, or no, no, it's the one that's I can't think of the name of it. It's that's got- called Hackasaurus. <laughs> <laughs> Hacked it to death yeah. and went back in, left it on the path, went back inside and poured another glass of wine. <laughs> and next day, went out and cleaned up and propped a bit of it, um, and it's now back to. Blocking your view again. Yes, it's, it's nearly there, but it's in, it's in full flower. And it's, it, it is absolutely fine. Yeah. I mean, I, mm. I haven't. Sue might ring, ring in and tell me I'm wrong, but I can't think of any that I haven't been able to... To really chop to hard. chop yeah. hard, although yep. I do think that's the only time where I've chopped something and haven't made sure that there's growth underneath. Okay. I don't like cutting anything into bare wood. Mm. Mm. I mean, I've done it. Like I've cut camellias into bare wood and I've cut lilacs into bare wood and they've mm. come back. I mean, in London I had this lilac in my backyard that was massively high and so I just cut it down to three points and I went to the house when I was there and it's, there it is again, desperately needing a cut again. Yeah, yeah. It's just come back. But I only cut into bare wood when I'm – I don't care if I'm going to lose it. Right. Yep. Mm. Okay. Fair enough. Mm. Look at all this array of flowers you brought in this morning. Uh, Sue's just <laughs> just texted in that the one I cut with the saw because it was interview. It was the semiotrata. Semiotrata, well, that wouldn't mind. Thank you, Sue. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and it, I mean I do love it because it's got three shades of of blue and and purple in each flower. And nice, fl- and nice foliage. It's it's a lovely thing. Yeah. yeah, and I've now got it. It's spreading all over my garden. I mean. I prop it and yep. put it everywhere because it's so lovely. Yep. Yeah. Yes. We should get to some camellias because it's definitely camellia time at the moment. <laughs> I have brought in so many camellias and I missed a, I've missed quite a few of my camellias. I mean, we've got camellias really, if you plant carefully, you can have them flowering for the whole of late autumn through to spring. Because the sasanquas, which are the smaller leafed and bigger camellias, they usually flower in autumn, and I've yeah. missed my sasanquas. Mm. But I've got Jap- japonicas all over the garden in massive flower, and I've got a couple of um, – I mean, I've got one. I don't know what it is. I bought it 
Looks like a reticulata. It is me. a reticulata. Yeah. It is huge. It is... Um, yeah, they're trees. Yes. Well, the, I think this is um, a cross uh, reticulata japonica because the tree doesn't look like it's going to be a tree. Right. It's a really huge shrub. Oh. But the flower, the reticulata camellias have got such loud flowers. Yeah. And this flower is... I, I can put my whole hand over it. It is massive and there is about... 40 buds on the tree. So when they all open, it is just... And it is a very, very deep red. It is yeah. so loud. It is... There's nothing subtle about it. They're almost impossible to get these days anyway. I know. It's, it's really hard to find reticulatus. Yeah. I don't... I don't know why. We've got some really beautiful ones in the Botanic Gardens. They're slow. Is that why? Yeah. So everything's so, about turnover these days. Yes. It's um, such a pity because yeah. they are trees, whereas yeah. most of the others are very large shrubs. Mm. And I, I just think that they are really, really quite beautiful. The reticulatas. Yeah. I've got some japonicas that were there when I moved in, and they are so old they're um, right up at the roof line. Yeah. And there, one side of my house is just covered in red, red, red. I've got one. <laughs> what did you? Mince meat. <laughs> I've got one that when Craig Cheap looked mince at meat it. Too. <laughs> It looks like mincemeat because it's red and white. He's very descriptive, Craig, with with the flower calls it mincemeat. (laughs) But the other thing I've got, which I think are absolutely beautiful, are some of the Williamsiis. And this is a hybrid that was developed in Britain in the... um, Around the First World War. The Wincy, Wincy, uh, William C. eyes are the bell-shaped camellias where the flowers hang. Yes, yeah. and, and that's, that's a William C. eye. But they're beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. And generally single. And they were bred when camellias, when they came into England, they, they only grew them in hothouses because they thought they were so exotic. Oh. They must need to grow in hothouses. And, of course, the Japonicas wouldn't flower very far north. When they then eventually got them into the garden, they, yeah. they wouldn't flower. And so they were growing them just for the foliage because it was too cold. My advice for people buying japonicas is buy them now. Yes, so you flower. know what you're getting. And, and if, yes. if, if there's a dead flower on the bush, reject it. Yes. Well, that was the <laughs> other thing about the Williamsiis. When they crossed... They drop Jap- their flowers. Yes, they crossed Jap- um, japonica with um, saluensis. Yep. And they then developed... A plant that would one, it would flower further north, all yeah. the way up to Scotland, so that you could get flowers on the bush, and they drop their flowers when they're finished. So you don't get because one problem with camellias is you often get ugly dead things. Mm. The flowers just don't drop. Yeah, that's right. If they hold their dead flowers, they're awful. Mm. Yeah, and so the, unless you're out there every day deadheading. Yes, oh, and really, so the really William C. eyes, yeah. and I've got William C. eyes facing north. Mm. And they're you know they're six seven foot tall, so yeah. so they don't get much protection, and they are fabulous. Yeah, and they're such pretty. That one, Craig, I've no idea what that one is, but that is also very lovely. That looks like reticulata. You think too. that's a reticulata yeah, too? Yeah, reticulata cross. Whenever yeah. I see a reticulata for sale, I buy it. Yeah, and I think I've got three. I mean, yeah. you don't you don't see them as you say. Yeah. Camellia Lodge is gone. Yes, yes. Well, actually. It might be a point. You probably will be able to get a reticulata at that um, at that camellia thing that's coming up, the Camellia Society. Mm. Maybe do they have a plant stall? Yes, they've got a whole lot of plant stalls okay, at that. Okay, well, there so, you go. So that's the August the 19th, everybody, yeah. at, at um, 
Mount Waverley Centre. Oh. All, all reports, it's worth going to. Yes. I, 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 from what I've heard from some of my customers, some of them are, some of the, like, the display is brilliant. Yes, yeah. the display yeah. would Nearly be Nearly as brilliant. good as roses. At- <laughs> <laughs> Where's Stephen? <laughs> and I do, I, I mean, I just love the camellias because the other thing about camellias is they are very hardy. People yes. th- don't realise. Once they're established, yes. you have to take oh, a gosh, time yes. watering them for three or four summers. Yes. Have a great, great, great reputation of getting through droughts. That's right. Yes, yeah. fantastic. Once they're established. Well, mm. Mm. Mine just got through the droughts, and I've mm. also started planting a lot of the species, the luchuensis, the sai, you know, the small, smaller flowered ones. Cause That's I think pretty much all I grow. I've pretty much executed all of the japonicas and replaced them with the small flowering ones. Right. Uh, very bird attractive, the little ones. Yes, they're beautiful. Yeah, they're really good food for the honey eaters over winter. Yes, and, uh, and, they, and they are really quite glorious. That's right. And, yeah. of course, now... The Camellia sinensis, which is the tea, tea yeah. is growing on the Asheron River and on in the Kiwa Valley. We have got some of the best, best tea growing in the world. I didn't really? know that. Yeah, and yeah. It is abs- when you see it, it is absolutely beautiful because they grow camellias and they keep it to thigh. Yeah, it's a metre high lawn. Yeah, yes. thigh yeah. high. Yes. Thigh high yeah. so that they can just run the machines through because they, what they pick is just the new, new the growth. Tip, yeah. Mm. yeah, and they do four four harvests a year. Yeah. Uh, it is beautiful. They are so green. Mm. So lovely. You Sri Lanka. No. Well, you need to go there. I'd like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's go to a couple of callers. First up, we're going to Wendy in Vermont South. Good morning, Wendy. Oh, good morning, everyone. Um... I was chatting to a lady in the gym a couple of weeks ago about snow peas and how exciting it is when they start to crop. And she said, oh, I don't grow them anymore. The last lot died. And I thought, oh, God, what kind of gardener are you? Well, guess what? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, look, I can't believe it. I've never had... that. They've got this wilting thing at the top, even though they're green and beautiful and it's raining every night. And at the bottom, some of them have got this biscuit-coloured leaf that started. So then I did Googling, didn't I? Yes, Google's good. Then I find fusarium wilt. Ah. Now, I don't know much about this, and I read nothing last night when I Googled it except gloom and doom, but it it didn't give any advice much, really. Is there any advice, any good news anywhere? Uh, Have have you applied any fertiliser? To them? Oh, about six weeks ago I gave them just some sea salt but nothing else. Right, so you haven't applied a, mm. a, a, a straight-out fertiliser because sea salt well, isn't actually a fertiliser. That's right, I know. That's what I've done. I've yep. done nothing apart from, no, nothing. They, okay, they, they, okay. The they should be healthy, but of course it's, it's probably not. Yeah, no, they certainly don't like fertiliser, so you've done the right thing there. Right. Um, I can, I can only think maybe it's been the weather. It mm. has been so cold. Have you had frost there? Wendy? Oh, one or two mild frost. It's, it's, so no, it nothing to speak it's, of. It's not where we are here, no. In fact, it wouldn't have got below oh, two degrees, I don't think, at all. Maybe one degree. And a couple of very light frosts is all we've had. But no, and, and the funny thing is with this wilting at the top of the, the plants are probably, I don't know, a metre and a bit tall. Yep. Maybe taller. Uh, at the top, sometimes it'll wilt. And then the next day, and I look at it and I'm thinking, is it snapped there? Have I snapped it somehow? But no, and then the next day I come out and it's gone. The wilting is gone. It's just bizarre. But now this morning I see two or three of them are wilting again. The ground is obviously very damp. But the thing with fusarium wilt, if it is fusarium wilt, it's fungal. Hmm. Okay. 
I, I just don't know what to do. I don't think it's, it's spraying with something of any benefit. No, because no, it's, no. it's in the soil. It's in the soil, yeah. Okay, so then the next question, do I have to rip them out? I mean, they're cropping right now. They're starting to crop. Can I leave them there? Is it well, the, get... I mean, if you're getting some crop, get the crop because All it's right. not going to make the fruit yeah, bad. So you really yeah. just need to grow them somewhere else. Yes, but yes grow different. them somewhere else next yeah. time yeah. for sure. Okay. But, but leave them in there while they're cropping. Right. Make so the I most of them and, yeah. Yeah. And so let's I can't ho- do any harm. I can't make it any worse by just leaving them there. No, no, no. All because right. they're not going to last that long. You know, they're, they'll fruit and then they'll be finished. Yeah, yeah, So, yep. But definitely think about it next time because it does get in the soil and yeah. maybe somebody will ring in and give us some advice on this. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a devil. Um, but, yeah, look, thank you. And I, I thought just even mentioning it because when yes, I read up yes. about this, you get the impression that I should be letting somebody know about it. But I don't think it is that bad. It's no, no. common, correct? Yes, yeah. Yep. Uh, one other very quick question. I've got some little cyclamen out on my back veranda. They get plenty of light, although not full sun. There's heaps of little buds there hiding on under the leaves, and they've been like that for, oh, gee, weeks and weeks. They clearly don't want to stick their little heads up. What, what's that about? Well, they're, they're certainly, they're, they'll be persicums. They're not flowering at my place yet either. Sorry? They'll be cyclamen persicum, the florist cyclamen. Oh. And they're not, they're not flowering at my place either. Oh. Yeah, I think that, that, that when you buy them commercially, they've been forced on. That's right. Yeah. So the, oh, so they, no, these are ones from last year or the year before. But still, uh, I mean, not all my cyclamens are in flower yet. I think... Oh, I think you just have to wait a bit longer, Doc. Yeah. Oh, I see. They're all sitting under the leaves at my place. Too. They're in pots, are they? That's right. They're in pots, and yeah. they look as yeah. healthy as anything. So, no, so I they'll shouldn't... be fine. Yeah. If the oh, flower right. buds so I shouldn't be chopping there, any leaves off. No, 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 no. Mm. Just, just leave them alone. Yeah. yeah. All right. Leave them should, alone, and they'll come home wagging their tails. Yeah. 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 Should she feed them? Um, Not now, but no. I mean, as they're in pots. Yeah, well, I, I just give them a bit of liquid feed when they're starting yeah. to come up. But cyclamen persicum is from North Africa. Oh. So it, neglect. Yes. Is the oh, key. really? Yeah. Okay, okay. Oh, look, you guys are wonderful. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank, you, thank you for your help. I really appreciate it. Okay. Bye. Good, good on you, and bye for now. Bye bye. Right, next up we're going to uh, Di in Camberwell. Good morning, Di. Oh, good morning, everyone. Well, I have a very stubborn uh, bougainvillea. This would be the third one that I've put in. It's meant to have scarlet blooms. And the bush is extremely healthy. It's against a white wall. Um, I, it, it, you know, makes leaves everywhere but never turns the promised scarlet. And this is the third one. It could even be the fourth. Do you prune it? Yes. Well, when do you prune it? Oh, well, yes, there's a point. When it looks very bushy. Well, don't prune it till it flowers. And if you don't like... And if you you have to prune it, take them out at the base so you're leaving some that have not been pruned. Because you could well be pruned deciding that it's got too big and pruning it and there you prune off the flowering stems. It just never has flowered. Is it in full sun? I beg your pardon? In full sun? It gets sun. It's Full um, sun? Well, well, I wouldn't say full because there are other things around and trees sort of against the fence opposite. But, it, you know, it does get sun. I was wondering, it's against a wall and it's near some steps, so there would have been a fair bit of concrete around at I, different stages. Would that have... I don't think so because no? if it's looking good, 
it's looking it's good. Looking it's getting. It's, it, it would look sick if the concrete was affecting it. That would be yellow leaves. Yes. No, yeah. the, it's fine, but never has it. Well, turned. there's there's two things I would do. Yes. One is I'd keep away from the pruning. I'm happy to do that because I don't know a lot about pruning. Well, well, let it go. When in doubt, always prune after something flowers. After the flowering. Yeah, because it's very easy to think, oh, I'll just take a bit off that, and then you cut out the flowering bits of the plant. Next, do you eat bananas? Oh, yes, lots of them. Throw your banana skins underneath, around it. Oh, good. Because that will help encourage, or soak the banana skins. In water. In water, put a bucket lid on it, in a bucket, because yes. it gets a bit manky, and then water it with banana water. Mm. And no, no added not to buy. And don't give it nitrogen. No. Don't give it which? Nitrogen. Nitrogen. Only, you only want to give it banana skins and banana water. Yeah, they're rich in, in potassium. Because yeah. pota- yes, um, That's yeah. what I was told. Um, or was it phosphorus? Did somebody? But potassium. It's, yes. Potassium Not for to flowering. buy anything then. Just, no, don't buy anything. Just the banana skins. Yeah, banana skins. Well, they, you know, it's all these because actually it's those sort of leaves that turn the colour. And to add salt to no, the wood. No, 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 le- it's, it's bracts. The fla- it's, it's like flowers that come on Bougainvillea. They are, but I, oh, I didn't think they were actual flowers. No. They're bracts. They're, they're bracts, something yeah. called bracts, but I, they're not actually the green leaf either. No, It's no. an in-between stage. But Bougainvillea, remember, is um, is a tropical plant. Oh, right. And it's always been the purple one is the only one you've really been able to grow in Melbourne. All the others, the and the white, the scarlet, the yellow, all those other ones are more tropical and more difficult to so grow here. And they need a lot of sun. And they, they need, need the warmth. Heat. It's heat they, they need. need the heat. So right. being against a wall, if the wall's facing the right way, is probably a really good thing. Mm. It makes it a hot. I had one at my place, and I, and it was by the back door. Yes. So I cut it down completely yes. and thought I'd got rid of it yes. 12 years ago, and it turned up again <laughs> two years ago. So um, I'm now growing it on a single stem and letting it go up. Um, oh. But it's the purple one. Well, this is the bane of my life because down the road there is the most magnificent one that grows right up and virtually over the roof. And I saw, when I first bought the Bougainvillea, I saw one in Richmond. It was red. It was scarlet. Mm, and really? It was against yes. a, a white wall. You see, we're talking about Richmond, so it's on a wall. It's white, so yes. the wall... The, Wall is reflecting heat yes, this, out. This is near a white wall, mine. Good. Yep. Well, that's good. I would try the I would try the potassium first, and don't do chop that. anything, and yeah. no chopping. Yeah. No chopping. I will do. Good luck. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Next up, we have Lynn in Blackburn South. Good morning, Lynn. Good morning to everyone. Um, I'm wondering if you could tell me when to plant hollyhock seed uh, seeds. I'd plant them now. Right. Yeah. Okay. And straight into the ground or in pots first? I'd raise them in pots first. All right. Yeah. I, I wouldn't. <laughs> oh, okay. I'll do half in half. Yep. That's yeah. a good idea. I, yeah. I yeah. find in, I mean, for me, raising seeds in pots, I have to be much more careful. And my hollyhocks just self seed. Like, yes. like my opium poppies, they just self-seed. So I figure if I just throw seed into another bit of the garden, they'll be fine. They'll come up. Yes, so I what don't I've, have that. A good fortune here, I don't think. Uh, any... I bet if you get them up, you might find they will self seed. I yeah. what I did last year was I cut down some of my hollyhocks and then I just threw the whole head, the whole 
thing yes. I'd cut into another bit of the garden. And they, it all happened? Well, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> and, but definitely well, the one, every year they come up just from their own seed. All right, then. And if the other question is, um, seedlings of delphinium, would they flower the first year? Yes, yes they, they should. Yes. Okay. And then do they form a crown and you have to save that till the year after? They or should do you... be perennial. And do you lift them My or My issue them? with delphinium is that snails love them. Yes. No, you don't lift them. No, all right. And develop a, a close relationship with either eggshell or coffee grounds. Oh, yes, that's easy. I usually put all of those in the garden, but I'll specifically give it to them. Yes, Good. well, yeah. it's, it's to stop the snails. Oh, okay. And slugs. Hmm. Right. Because they don't like crawling over a rough surface. Oh, don't blame them. And the eggshells egg, <laughs> egg are great with, for calcium, and, and the, um, if coffee grounds will help them to release too. Oh, I didn't oh, know that. So okay. it's best to combine them. Yeah, it can do. Mm. Sure. Right. Mm. Okay. Mm. Thank I collect you very co- much. I collect coffee grounds from some of the yes. cafes. Mm. From some mm. of the cafes, yeah. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Good, Good luck. Okay. Very helpful. Okay. Bye. Can I just say one other thing on camellias? Yes, sure. Supposedly, the Botanic Gardens has got one of the Four best camellia collections in the world. Right. Which surprised me. And I know that there have been people who go climb in at night and try and steal them, which is fairly tedious. Do they propagate them? Yes. Um, they got Bob, the Bob Withers collection after he died, and he oh. had the Plant Trust collection, OPCAA collection. For japonicas? Or? No, it was a mix. Mix. Uh, and we've all, they've also got some very very old ones that they that were very difficult to identify because they went right back to the eighteen hundreds yeah. when they first came in. MacArthur, you know, the man of um, merino sheep mm. fame, he brought in heaps. Not the first, but the second and the next twenty or thirty he brought okay. in. Yeah. And um, the they are looking lovely in the botanic gardens at the moment. And I'm doing a walk on Tuesday at 10.30. So if anyone wants to join me, we could go and do a camellia explore. Okay. Because, you know, it'll be interesting, I think. Do you prune them? Do they prune them? Do you prune them? (laughs) I prune mine? No. Yeah. I do, no, basically. I do, I take out whole branches sometimes. Yeah. Because I want to get a bit more light into the soil around them or something like that. Yeah. But I don't prune them to prune. I'm a cereal pruner. <laughs> Once a year they get a run over. Do they? Yeah, it keeps them nice and compact. Actually, I lie. I have pruned the ones outside my kitchen window because I want to be able to see mm. through them. Yeah. But but I only I don't prune. I prune for my own needs, like I want light there so I can grow something else or I want to be able to see the view. So yeah. I, I don't prune. I prune mine to keep the height down. Yeah, bit. same. Yes. Yeah. And and keep them compact. And I mean, I like to grow lots of things in the garden, and they take up a lot of space if you let them get big. That's right. Yeah, yeah. 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 So I take mine back once a year. Yep. Well, I'm going to ask Sylvie to get up on the roof and prune the big japonicas because <laughs> <laughs> they're so big. Yes, right. My neighbour had japonicas that were trees, and he cut them down to a metre. And know, they all came back. Big thick trunks. Mm. Yeah, they're they're fantastic now. Yes, I think yeah, I'll I think I'll take mine five down or six a bit. Years mm. ago. Mm. Yeah. What about moving them? When they're young, they're hard to move. I moved. They get their roots down really deep. I moved two. Uh, one of the ones that I moved, it's a small flowered one. Mm. Um, it's oh, it's as tall as me, and it survived. I moved another one, which I think was one of the Waterhouseiers. Yeah. Um, which is a Williamsii type, and it's taken four or five years to look reasonable as a plant. Yeah. And it still hasn't flowered. 
Yeah. It's mm. really sulked it's, about yeah, being moved. It's yeah. really struggled. Yeah. I moved one years ago and and it, the move was successful, but we took a massive root ball, yeah. mm. really massive root ball, and I think that yeah. was partly the secret of getting it to then re-establish and re-flower fairly easily. Mm. Yes. It's a job for autumn too, I think. Yes, yeah. rather than winter. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Get them settled in before the winter. Yeah. 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 Good idea. Yes, that makes sense. Mm. So half past ten on Tuesday at the Visitor Centre if anyone wants to come with me on a walk. Sounds good. So they're scattered over the whole garden, are they? Yes, there's, there's one section where they're quite concentrated. Yeah. And then there's a lot around Garden's House, which is closed to the public, but I'm allowed to walk through there, so I will okay. walk through there on Tuesday. Yeah. And there is reticulatus in there. There's some really lovely ones. The only thing is I'm not one of the guides that knows them all. I will take the notes, but if they haven't got labels on them, I won't be able to name some of them. (laughs) (laughs) I can't name my own, so I certainly won't be able to name quite a lot of the guides. You can make up names. (laughs) (laughs) True. Yeah, like this one. This one could be King's Cross, I think. (laughs) That's the really big, blousy red one yes. that is a reticulata that's the size of my hand. It's, yes, it's, it's like a bouquet in one flower. It's it is, ridiculous. Isn't it? it is. It could. And they're all red or pink. Oh, no, I have one white one. The white ones, if they don't damage in the rain, are beautiful. But they... Single white with yellow stamens is fantastic. Yes. Yeah. yes. And, I, and that is very lovely. And that has got, they've got so many flowers this year. Yeah. And the other thing that's happened is that my magnolia vulcan has just come out. Yeah. And you gave me another one, and it's years ago. Yes, I remember. in a pot. Yep. It's looking really good, but it's not flowering. But I'm thinking next year it'll get to the point of flowering. The possums have stayed out of my big Solangiana in the nursery. It's a big tree. You know what my brother's done? He's put a possum feed on his roof and for the first time he's got flowers on his magnolia and he puts food up on the possum feed on the roof every night. He'll stop once... It's the magnolia finishes flowering. Yeah, they get hungry over the winter. Yeah, Yeah. that's right. And he's got... He he rang up and said, You've got to come over, Jin. I've got flowers. Yeah. Well, it's the same. It's the first, the first time for perhaps five years. And his wife's always wanted to kill the possums. No, no, you can't do that. Can't do that. Can't do that. Well, no. she hasn't got any way of doing it, luckily. But um, it's worked. The possum feeder on the roof has worked. They just run a Melbourne Cup across the roof every <laughs> <Yeah>. night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thump, 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 thump. Yep, yep. <laughs> okay, yeah, but, but why not distract? Yeah. Yes. What have you got there, Craig? I don't know, it's... It's, it's another. Oh. Yeah, it's another one of. It's a really pretty. This is the one that I moved. That I moved some, and it survived the move really well. Probably I moved it at the right time of year, and I moved the other one mm. at the wrong time of year. And it's a really soft, pretty pink. But I suspect. Oh no! Looking at the leaf, it's not going to be a japonica, is it? Don't know. No, it's hard. Well, the, it's easy to tell on the the smaller leaves because the japonicas tend to be the really big, big leaves. Well, reticulata leaves are even bigger. Yeah. Yes, except they're very, very um, a bit more sparse. They've, and they've got the the veining because mm. that's mm. what reticulata means, mm. the veining. Well, we've still got some time, Virginia. Um, you wanted to talk a little bit about uh, some of our Australian natives that well, are out in flower at the moment. The other thing, people say to me, what sort of garden do you have? And I said, oh, big. And they say, oh, is it natives? I say, no. No, it's oh, an eclectic it's, mix. It's exotic? No. <laughs> 
It's it's everything. I have got all through the garden completely mixed up. I have got exotics and natives. I've got one bed that is largely native, but I've also got three roses in that bed. It's a plant collector's garden because every time you see something you want or you want to try, you just buy it and put, put it, it in. in. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but at the moment there is so much in flower that is that are Australian natives in my garden. And, you know, when people sort of tell me I should only grow Australian natives because that's right, I point out that New Zealand is closer to me than Broome. And so what's the logic? And it's only the exotic a- natives. <laughs> <laughs> and it's only a matter of history that this continent is only one country. It could uh-huh. easily have been three or four countries. So I, I won't take the native lecture very happily. But my garden is full of natives. And at the moment, the birds are very pleased with me because I grow lots and lots of salvias and lots and lots of natives. Yes. And both of them are They making, need food at this time yes. of year. That's right. Mm. Yeah. Really mm. making them happy. Yep. And I've got a really lovely leonema, which is, which is this one, gang. And it has tiny white um, star-shaped flowers and it is covered in them. It's, it's a Leonema green screen, which other people grow as a very, very tall, large shrub. Mine's been in for years and years, and it's only hip height. So Sue's very impressed with it. And it's a dwarf form. Yeah, yeah, it's wonderful. And so she's oh. going to propagate from it. She's, as soon as it, she's already taken some cuttings, and she'll take more. So hopefully it will turn up available. And it's absolutely lovely. And then this, which doesn't look... It doesn't look so fantastic here now, but was beautiful when I cut it, which is the Corazima. And it has, it has, it's the same as the um, Pride of the Incas that we were talking about before. It has a really orange and yellow, uh, orange and pink flower. Looks like a pea, is it? It is a pea. It is a yeah. member of the pea yes, family. Yes, it's yeah. absolutely Corazima cordatum. There's about 18 different species of Corazima, but the one you usually see, and it's a scrambler. Yeah. It'll grow through things if you don't prune it. Mm. And, and do the birds feed on that Virginia? Yes, yes. They do. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's, um, it's, it sort of grows in Western Australia, I think, mm. eucalyptus forests. And it's really, really... So it's a shade plant. Mm, well, in my garden, of course, it has to go everywhere. I, yeah. I find it doesn't grow on the northwest top where those winds come in. Yeah. But it grows... I've got it in... In right along in the eastern beds, so it gets morning sun all the time, yeah. and it's as happy as happy. And it's, and I love things that flower now. I don't like um, red and orange in my garden, particularly in summer. But my garden at the moment is just full of red and orange because, of course, in the well, cold... Well, wintertime you need the warm colours. Yes, yeah. those lovely hot colours. Exactly. Yes. Whereas you want cooling colours in summertime. We uh, must go to our next caller because we're going to run out of time very soon. We're going to Bernie out in Langwarren. Good morning, Bernie. Yes, good morning <clears throat> to you to you all. Um, you just mentioned banana skins. Yep. Yes. In water. Yes. Yes. Uh, I was always under the belief that um, natives don't like potassium. Is it potassium or is it? No, it's it's phosphorus. It's phosphorus. Yes. Oh, phosphorus. Mm. Yes. Okay. Well, I'm. I've been. That's why I wanted to ask you. This is. Um, is there any point in putting uh, banana skins in water and then putting them on <laughs> plants? Well, what I do is. Um, what I what I do is I tend to put banana skin water on plants that are about to come into flower, because what that 
does is it the, the potassium encourages you give nitrogen to a plant that you want to grow and grow lots and of leaves. And you want leafy greens. Leafy, and you give potassium to plants, particularly vegetables, that you want to fruit or flower, flower and fruit, that being the order. So it's a – I mean, I can't put it right across my garden. I don't eat enough bananas. But if I've got something that I think is struggling a bit to get the flowers up, I'll give it a bit of potassium, a bit of – and I find – my garden's too big to go out and buy all these things. I just, wherever I can, I use things that are that are around. Mm. And banana. My daughter eats lots of bananas, which is very good. I would eat one a month. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So okay. basically, Burnley, you you would apply it to anything that you want to encourage fruiting or flowering on a plant. Well, I've got a grevillea, and <clears throat> half of the year it's in shade, and the other half it's in full sun, and it, it flowers very very little. So I'll, I'll, I'll do what you suggest. Which grevillea uh, is it? Do you know? Uh, I couldn't tell you. To be is it sort of an apricot colour? That's about it. Mm. And has it got the th- the really thin leaves? You know, like rosemary yes, leaves. Yes. 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 Well, it's, is it flowering now? No. I would try a bit of potassium on it. Mm. Yeah. Uh, mm. the, the problem probably is possibly is uh, that it's in shade yes. from about. Um, it would oh, really April need more to, sun. Um, the end of September. Yeah. yeah, I'd say so. It'd be a sun issue. It's a sun issue. Than soil. Phil, I, I mean, it's so. a bit of greenery, so I'll leave it like that. Yeah. yeah. And secondly, if I've got time, Livingston daisies, they more or less grow anywhere, don't they? Well, mm-hmm. yes. It wouldn't do any harm? No, it wouldn't do any harm at all. Yeah. Uh, sandy soil I've got, so the water just goes straight through like a sponge. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's the reason to mulch, isn't it? Because that will both... Yeah, but then, then you take away sort of grubs for the birds, so I don't like to do that too much. Oh, no, the birds will the dive birds in will under the mulch. The mulch They'll find the grubs. grubs. Yes. Mm. You'll get more grubs for the birds if you mm. mulch and well, leaf litter. And it'll bring up the bark, worms too. Chip bark mulch? No. Uh, it's, it's, as long as it's fine. Not I, too coarse. I, I personally think, particularly if you're on sandy soil, you want a mulch that um, breaks down quickly. Yeah, and like uh, sugarcane straw? Well, I prefer pea straw to yeah, sugarcane because I find with, yeah. with sugarcane it sort of mats, mats yeah. and then it doesn't let the water in. Whereas no, okay. if, if you put on pea straw, <clears throat> it will fix nitrogen in your soil. You will get some baby peas coming up, but that doesn't matter. Just dig them in. They're good for the soil. The okay, birds can good. get through pea straw really easily and it will keep your soil cool. In cooler in summer, I mean, on a bad summer, nothing will keep it cool, but it'll keep it cooler, and it will also um, in, it'll make the soil much friendlier to the grubs, to the worms. And I like mulch from the tree guys <clears throat> rather than commercial bark mulches, mulch from the, the arborists. Yes. So it's got a lot of leaf and bark and wood all mm. mixed up. And yeah, often, we... if you've got a local arborist, yeah. they're often <clears throat> looking for anywhere. Um, anyone who'll take the mulch. No, so yeah. you'll often get, you know, next time yeah. they're in the area, they're happy to, to drop off um, a lot of their mulch to you. But I also, I also madly, because I've got a lot of deciduous trees in my garden, I really use leaf litter. I find yeah. that's fantastic. Absolutely, especially if you put some arborist mulch on top of it. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Very yes. natural leaf litter and, and the microbes and the, and the natural funguses yes. work 
work brilliantly with, with that. Yeah, yeah. Right. So yeah. particularly if you've got a sandy soil, yeah. next autumn go around and see if you can... I mean, most people are trying to get rid of their, their autumn leaves and yeah. raking them up like crazy, which is crazy. Just, I, just ask if you can have a few Don't burn loads. them. Don't burn them. Oh, Give no. them to someone. We'll all take them for our soils. Absolutely. All right, and okay. I am very, very impressed with salvia, so I've got two oh. on order for my nursery. <laughs> Good on you. Good on you. Good yeah. on you. Uh, Which ones are you ordering? Uh, well, basically you can only seem to get red. Oh, there should be a huge variety oh, out yeah, there. there be, yeah. Yes. Yeah, well, this particular one said um, basically it got red. I've got a red one now, which I'm very, very happy with. Okay. Very happy. If, you, if you're interested in salvias, they'll be at the Rare Plants Expo at Tesla's in, in um, March, April, and the, the Rare and also, the Salvia Society are there and they'll have all their range. And they will be, there's one coming up at the Botanic Gardens, a two, a two day big rare plant sale. And there will be lots of salvias there. That's in October. Mm. I will next time I'm on. I'll tell you when it is. I can't remember. You've also got the Garden Lovers Fair seventh and eighth of October up at Bolabek in Mount Macedon, and they'll be up there as and well. And you'll get them there. Yes. Yeah, so that's where, what you need to do is go to some of those. So that's one. There's one in Mount Macedon. One in Sylvan. In, no, the Mount Macedon one is when? Bolabek. What date? 7th and 8th of October. 7th and 8th. And then I think two weekends later, I think it is, there's one at the Botanic Gardens. And then there's Tessalas, which is fantastic, and that's in autumn. The but thing, you can get such a salvias, variety. Yeah, the thing with them is that they look, a lot of them, the really good ones, look scruffy in pots. So you're not going to pick them up in your average nursery. You need to find a specialist, yeah. and you need to be prepared to buy something that's a stick in a pot. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, And but, if you come through... The dandenongs at any stage. Go to Craig because mm. yeah. Craig's got some lovely ones. Oh, okay. Thank great, you very much. Great for birds. <laughs> they are okay, they're good then, for the birds. birds. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no. I'm very, very pleased with the one I've got. Good. Yeah. Good. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you very much for your time. Okay. No problem. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Can I just mention that the Plant Trust trip to um, ne- is next Saturday and if you ring up at the office tomorrow... Yes, um, just finding the office phone number, 96505639. And just, it'll be really good fun, so come with us. It's an all-day event and it'll be... So what are we likely to see? Well, firstly, uh, Melton Botanic Gardens. Which um, is, is a mix of... Um, has got a lot of natives. It's yeah. a new botanic gardens and it's really very lovely. Okay. It's a guided tour. They're going to be viewing uh, dryland eucalyptus arboretum uh, and many uh, eremophila species plus um, genus uh, pending, uh, both genus pending, I mean. Uh, then uh, there'll be lunch served at Melton Botanic Gardens. Then uh, you go to the Willows, which is circa 1850, um, now, this is an old uh, homestead. Uh, it's one of the few surviving 19th century homesteads in the Melton Shire. Um, and it's built of unusual, rendered, uh, random rubble wall construction. That sounds good, doesn't it? Say, <laughs> say stuck that everything again. into the wall. <laughs> <laughs> rendered, random, rubble wall construction. Very so there good, you go. Pam. Okay. Very good. And then finally, uh, roundabout stumble. Round about two ish, they're going on to Pie Garden. Uh, which is in the Bolingaruk area, and uh, David and Barbara will share their lovely two to three acre relaxed country garden 
um, with lots of native trees and shrubs, uh, providing a perfect habitat for bird species. So, and afternoon tea will be served there. So that's mm, the whole day. Good. It'll be good, and let's. Mm, we always day, have yeah. fun. Oh. We really have fun, and hopefully it won't rain. But, but we'll do, go even if it does. You do need to book, so I'll give that office number out again. They will be there tomorrow, 96505639. The cost, uh, if you're a member of Plants Trust or the Botanic Gardens, $30. For non-members, $35, and that includes all food and drinks. Excellent. Okay, we've run out of time for yet another week. A big thank you to the team. Good to see you again, Craig. Thank you. Welcome back, Virginia, finally. <laughs> <laughs> and a big thank you to Chloe, who's been uh, handling all the phones this morning. Don't forget get that talk uh, if you're interested down at Cranburn this afternoon, um, 2 o'clock to, uh, running through till 3.30 uh, there in the auditorium. So... Uh, Until next week, of course, when we'll be back again. Um, Bye for now.